Good morning, church. What a blessing to be here today during pine pollen season. We call it the coating, if you're visiting here. We always say during this time of year, if it ain't yellow, it's in the house, right? So we welcome the rain today. Uh, it was it was great because uh, Jesse, who you just uh, saw on the video uh, doing the announcements today, we have uh, on our Unashamed podcast, you know, Jace is, uh, has a vocabulary challenge, those of you that know Jace. And so we have a, uh, we've come up with a word of the week where we're trying to expand his vocabulary. Because that, uh, Dad, of course, you know, was the English minor in college. Uh, I have a fairly expansive vocabulary. I'm not trying to be braggadocious. You know, we have a dasher on the podcast, and you know how they are. Uh, They try to make out like they're smarter than they are. And so we're trying to bring Jace up to speed, so we have this, you know, word of the day. And so... I had a wonderful serendipity. That's going to be our word of the day, serendipity. Uh, When we were uh, heading out to a flight this week, we were heading to Indiana, and we ran into Jesse uh, and Rich and and Rose, who is their uh, support animal. And uh, Jeremy's coming up again. You're making me nervous. I don't like it. That was the technical term. Can you hear me now? Is it on? It's not on. Check. One, two. There we go. He's <laughs> The technical term was, it's got a blah. Is this better, Jeremy? Is that good? No more blah. All right, good. It's twice he's come up here. Scared me like that in a row. <laughs> so I had this wonderful serendipity. And uh, so we, 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 they come in, and so, and Rich, and I don't remember meeting them, but I could have. Which, by the way, that appeals, appeals to anybody here. If I've met you and then I reintroduce myself, I meet a lot of people. Don't take it personal. I'm just glad to know you in the Lord. Praise the Lord, right? And so they come in. He's wearing a One Kingdom shirt. So right off the bat, it gets my attention. They come over, and they're hugging us, and they're like, hey, it's so great to see you. And I'm like, hey, who are you? <laughs> and so they start telling us a story, and they, they come here from Idaho and to spend their vacation week at WFR. And I thought, this is amazing. And so they tell me the story, and they connected with us uh, through the live stream. And, and they're part of our church family. And, and just, you know, seeing her do the announcements today, I just it takes me back to COVID and everything that the, the evil one tried to do to destroy culture and community and to see what our church has done and Jeremy and Josh and all those guys and to see this connectedness of family along with our podcast. Can we just give God the praise this morning as they thank you? <coughs> wow. So a serendipity, by the way, so Jason's not here. He's on the road. So I don't know if he'll get to tune in to see this. But if you see him, you can tell him the meaning of this word so he'll understand. Because we have to use it in a sentence for him to get it. It's a fortuitous accident. It's a blessing, right? Or just say it's a blessing because he won't get fortuitous either. That's another word for him to get. 
Uh, today we're going to be talking about being prepared to answer, and our scripture reader is Chase Johnson. Chase, would you come up here this morning and bless us? Chase is the senior at West Monroe. Yeah, come on up. It says here that Chase likes to run track at West Monroe. Is that true? All right, that's good. Chase is a tall, strapping young man. I'm sure he could outrun any of us here. So uh, we're going to have him read scripture today. Right. Thank you. All right, First Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, wait, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Thank you, Chase. How about a round of applause for Chase? And I was want to say that when I saw that Chase was reading our scripture today, one is you know second generation. Uh, from Chad and Debbie and the blessing they are to our church, but also a senior at Western Ohio High School just took me back because uh, that's my alma mater. And when I was there at Western Ohio High School as a senior, I was doing everything but reading the Word of God and especially reading it in our assembly. So, Chase, you keep doing what you're doing, young man. Uh, that's what we need more of. So, yeah, another round of applause for Chase. Thank you. It made me very proud uh, that he's here and a part of our church family. So we've been on the road. This is what Lisa and I call the Johnny and June Cash part of our travel because we've been everywhere, man. Uh, we're all over the place. Monday night we were in Pineville, which was a short drive from here, and we were speaking at Louisiana Christian University, and we went down to speak about pro-life, we were invited down by the Wildcats for Life. And I just like the sound of that, right? I mean, that's good, right? Wildcats for Life, yeah! I mean, right? You're excited about pro-life, and, and so were we to go. And so you never know what to expect. I was just expecting it to be kind of like the pro-life group on campus. We were going to go in. There would be kind of a few students there. We'd kind of get them charged up. And so we had like our normal PowerPoint presentation that we do. We kind of go across the country. But we were quite surprised, another serendipity, that this was almost the entire student body. There's about a 1,000 students, I found out, at, at Louisiana Christian University. There were probably about six or 700 students there. Uh, a lot of them were mandated to be there for classes. And this was like a quarterly event that the university puts on about culture. And there were several of the high-ups from the university and vice presidents there, and they introduced us. And then there was an official Q&A at the end of our presentation. And I was excited. I mean, it was like we were important people, right? And so we did our presentation, and the questions, they texted them in. I mean, they were the real deal. This was like preacher-on-the-spot type questions about abortion. They weren't the softballs. They were the real deal. And so I was excited about that. And it got me thinking about what we're going to be talking about today. We also did an event in Indiana this week, which is a, was a straight Q&A with a, like a moderator asking us questions. And so it was twice this week that we kind of just were off the cuff. And it got me thinking, is it easier to prepare? Because I was kind of thinking like, Normally when you prepare for a sermon like today or, you know, I have my notes and prepared remarks, is it easier to do that, which is what I'm used to, or just to go in and say, fire away? 
you know, let me hear what you got. And most of us would prepare, we would rather be prepared, right? I mean, you'd rather be able to kind of prepare your thoughts and go in and present. We're a little more comfortable with that. We're a little more uncomfortable, especially if there's a camera or something like that, right, to just have to go off the cuff. But really, we live our lives, especially if it's about some topic, really, life is a Q&A, right? I mean, it's about being prepared to give answers. And especially if it's something that you're known for. And that's really what our text, what, what Chase read about, is when we start talking about our relationship with Christ, and that's what we've talked about now in First Peter up to this point, are we ready to give the reason for the hope that we have? Because, I mean, if you're not prepared by now, when are you going to be prepared to give that answer? For the hope that you have. Now, just as a way of review, there's kind of been three major themes that we've continued to talk about over and over and over. And he's kind of going to seal that off with this last part of chapter three. We've talked about the Savior and salvation. He keeps bringing Jesus up over and over and over again. In other words, Christ Jesus is the way. He's talked about submission. Bending to the will of God, the will of Christ. Now, he's used that in several different illustrations. He's talked about other earthly mediums. He's talked about government. He's talked about work. He's talked about within the family. There's a lot of different ways that we submit. But he continues to go back and say, but look, each one of those are really not that difficult if we realize that ultimately we're submitting to Christ. So if you submit to him in everything you do, in all the things you live your life, whether it's family, work, government, as a citizen of your country, whatever it is, it's not that hard because ultimately I'm submitting to Christ first, right? So it puts me in the right frame of mind. And then the third thing is he talked about suffering. What's going to happen is, in the result of any of those phases of your life, you're going to suffer. Sometimes for doing the wrong thing, many times for doing the right thing. And so he's going to take off on that theme today. So let's pick it up in verse 13, because he's going to start there. And he's going to say this. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? It's almost a rhetorical question, because for the most part, no one. Right? If you're willing to do the right thing, most people are going to leave you alone. Most people don't get harmed for doing the right thing most of the time. They don't want to harm you for doing the right thing. But, he says in verse 14, even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Sometimes it does happen. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened, but in your hearts, and he's going to go back to this same theme again, revere, some versions they set apart Christ as Lord. So that's where we're going to begin today. When we revere Christ as Lord, when we revere, we do not fear. 
Now, I think it's a universal truth most of us know. We look back on our own lives, and we realize that most of the time, when we look back, whenever we did something wrong or sinful or even dumb or stupid, that's where most of our suffering came from. Can we just stop for a minute and say that's a pretty much a universal truth? Is that, is, is that can, we, can we agree with that today? Can we just have an honest moment, church? I mean, I've done a lot of good things in my life. I try to be good for the most part. I, I mean, I, I try to be kind to people, and I don't remember a lot of the good things I do, just to be honest with you. And I'm not trying to stand for, oh, Al's so good, he can't remember all the good things he does. I'm just saying I try to be good. And I don't remember a lot of the good things and the good results from those. But I can remember a lot of the stupid things I've done and the bad results that came from them. When I started working on this lesson, I can go back in my mind 50 years to dumb, stupid decisions that brought suffering to my life. Isn't that amazing? 50 years, Johnson. When I was just a small boy, I mean, a, a big pile of leaves that someone had burned. I was just a young child, and I went and felt of it, and it looked so soft, and it felt so cool. It was ash. And I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to run and jump right into the middle of this pile of soft ash? It was such a grand idea, such a good, smart idea. Until my feet were halfway down the soft, cool pile of ashes. And then my young brain realized that fire was still in the middle of this pile of ashes. It was stupid. I never did it again. Thank you, sister. She knows. Suffering ensued because of a bad idea. Most of us realize that, right? It's a bad idea it's, it, or a sinful idea. We realize something is wrong. We know we shouldn't do it. We know because the, the preacher of the Bible wouldn't even have to tell us. We just know it in our hearts. Don't do that. Don't go there. Don't participate. This is a bad idea. And we go along anyway. And we suffer. And that's what Peter is telling us. And yet, most of the time, that's what happens. We know also that some people suffer because someone else did the wrong thing or a stupid thing or a dumb thing. And it had nothing to do with us. That happens too. It's more rare but it happens. We're innocent. Maybe we were the victim as a child for some other person's sinful activity. And then we suffer. Lisa and I talk about it almost every time we speak before audiences. And you know why we do that? Because we know we're talking to an audience full of people who has been locked in because of suffering and haven't been able to find their way to healing in Jesus because they don't understand why they're suffering. 
And we're trying to say, here's a key that we found in Christ that can unlock that. Because people won't talk about that. It's so amazing because you step down from a stage and they come up and they're crying in tears and they say, it's so courageous that you talk about that. Not really. I mean, it is, but not really. It's just that Jesus helped us find our way out. That's what did it. It's nothing about us. We just now know. And so we're willing to say. Because we're prepared to give an answer for the hope that we now have. And he's helped us unlock you see, we truly revere Christ as Lord. Therefore, we don't fear the threats. Oh, well, if you tell, they'll know that you've got some history. Yeah, we've all got history. Everyone has history. Everywhere you go. Because these are universal truths. We've all done stupid and dumb things. We've all done sinful things. It's universal. Us not talking about them doesn't make them like they didn't happen. They've still happened. It's like saying there is no God. There is no God. He's still there. You cannot talk about it all you want to. There are three things that God did that help us revere him to the point of not having fear. You know what they are? First of all, this one from Hebrews 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You know why the first reason that I don't fear others and I revere Christ? Because I know I'm going to live forever. I have no fear of death. I'm a dangerous man. But I don't fear death. Think about that. What can someone do to you when you don't fear death? You keep that up, buddy. We're going to kill you. Okay. Okay. I'm just going to come back. I have no fear of death. You're going to die one day. I know. And I'm going to come back. You see, the evil one lost the greatest thing he had when Jesus came out of the grave. No longer is there a fear of death by those who believe and revere Jesus as Lord. That's a big one. Therefore, we don't fear like others. Now, you talk about if we didn't learn anything else from the COVID-19 situation, we learned this one. I'm still seeing it. I try when I look at people, I say, oh, bless their heart. Still fearing I mean fear. Here's another one. Romans 8, 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. 
We have no fear of abandonment. We're part of a forever family. We are never alone. Do you realize that? We always have family. Never alone. It's one of the greatest fears. You look at a list of what people fear. Death is right up there. Another one is being alone. You're never alone. Yeah, but sometimes I feel so isolated. You've got family. All you have to do is embrace Christ. We have family. That's what I love about the story. Sitting in an airport, somebody comes up and says, hey, forever family. Hey, who are you? Your brother and your sister. We have no fear of abandonment. Ever. Here's another one. Man, this is a good one. First John 4. This is how love is made complete, verse 17, among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because love has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We have no fear of imperfection because a perfect Christ lives in us. Man, that's a big one. Yeah, but but I mess up. Yeah, I know. That's the way he wants us, trusting in him. That's why he told Paul, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. We don't have to fear imperfection because we serve a perfect Savior who lives in us. So wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Live forever, part of a forever family, and we're perfect in Christ. Yeah. What have you got to fear? Do you see how we can live fearless? Do you see what our answers are? Don't fear as they fear. When we revere, we don't fear. Let me give you the second one. When we prepare to share, then we're going to care enough to share. Here's the verse. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Um, Man, you seem like You're hopeful. Can you tell me about why you're so hopeful? Yeah, let me get you to our local Bible scholar. Nope. That's not what he said. Yeah, but he's so scholarly. That's not what he said. Let me get you to our pastor. This guy is amazing. He has some hope. That's not what he said. Wait a minute. Our Sunday school teacher, he wrote a book on hope. That's not what he said. Let me get you to my sponsor, because he has changed my life. That's not what he said. you got to talk to my wife. She's the one that's really, in our family, she's the one. That's not what he said. He said, who asked you to give the reason for the hope that you have? You see, this thing is about how Jesus Christ intersects your story. 
it has to be you. Each one of us knows what Christ has done in us. Now, of course, we give him glory, but it's our story. It's him becoming Lord of us. And when someone you interact with sees that in you, you have what they need. We worry about that. See, we're back to fearing again. Because we say, well, yeah, but I don't know all that. You know what God did in you. And that's what they need. It's not a formula. It's not having the right thing, logical answers for people. It's what Christ did in you. That's the, that's the whole trick here. It's an unlocking of life. It's what Christ did in me. That's why the first century exploded because of lives that were given to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just about the apostles, those that were with him. It was everybody. We have to unleash that. That's what's happened in our culture here. We try to contain it into walls and buildings and guys down front. It's bigger than that. It's every single one of us. It's lives that are changed. That's why in Revelation twelve eleven, you know it's one of my favorite verses. That's what he's talking about. They, they who? They you. The brothers and sisters who are accused by Satan, they overcame. How'd they do it? By the blood of the Lamb, of course, Jesus. By the word of their testimony, what he had done in their lives, Jesus in them, and that they did not love their lives so much that they would shrink back even from death. They weren't afraid of death, so they would what? Tell it to the end. That's what he said. That's how you overcome. And think about it. How does the evil one accuse? Think about those accused words. You're unworthy. You're weak. You're guilty. You're unclean. You're a sinner. You're new. Nobody's going to listen to you. You're unproven. All those accusatory words. But you say, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me. I'm going to live forever. I'm part of the forever family. I'm imperfect. Therefore, I boast all the more about my imperfections. Jesus Christ lives in me. Therefore, I am in him. And you can too. That's how you're prepared to answer. You don't have to. Have 40 years under your belt? You may just need 40 minutes if you understand who Jesus is. That's the beauty of this. You say, well, how should you not, you know, spend your lifetime studying the Bible and listening to the Unashamed Podcast? No, that's great. That just makes you even more prepared. I love it. I spent my whole life learning more and more and more. But when it comes down to just sharing Jesus... It's that same story of impact. I mean, I many times go back 30 years ago to telling the story of when my story finally intersected the story of Christ. I was about the same age as Chase when I finally understood. Okay, I get it, Lord. I surrendered. I beat my head against the wall until finally it was like, I got it. 
And after that, I understood what the hope of Christ meant. And I've been running after him ever since. And I'm not stopping until he comes back. And I don't fear what they fear. But there's a way to do this, he says. There's a method. He says to do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience. We want to be humble. We want to be obedient. We want to be respectful. We want it to be Jesus-led. We want to have a clear conscience. I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Jesus Revolution or not. Really good. And one of the things I loved about it was it showed how when a movement of the Spirit comes through, I mean, men are weak, right? And it becomes about them many times. And you have to fight that. And I think that's a lot of what Peter is talking about here. We have to remember it's Jesus who leads a revolution. And we have to put our trust in him. Let me get to the last thing because I'm out of time. He says at the very end of this something very interesting. And there's been a lot of back and forth. And I'm not getting into all the crazy thoughts about the end of this text. Because here's what I think he's trying to say. And so I'm just going to share that with you. He says that Christ has shown the way. Because remember he says... When we revere, we don't fear. When we prepare, we care enough to share. And then he says that Christ has shown the way from the beginning right up until today. And I want to set this up with a couple of passages. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. He's always been. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All the way through. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was Jesus, right? Always been. And then we get down to 1 Peter three eighteen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. So, in other words, he made all this possible. This is the reason for the hope that we have. This spirit, verse 19, through whom he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, verse 20, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. So I believe Peter's making the point that the same spirit of God who is with God Jesus and the Father, all the way back from the beginning, who raised Jesus from the dead out of that tomb, was active throughout all time with the same message. Believe. 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 Some people have said, well, he went into hell and preached. and I don't know, maybe he did. But I don't believe that was his point. His point was the message has always been the same by the Spirit of God. In it, this ark, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, which is an interesting take. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, and catch this, but the response of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven 
and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Really an interesting way to close this out. Because basically what he's saying is this. Jesus Christ provides that salvation. And the salvation is available for all. We know from Second Peter that God wants all to be saved, right? All mankind. And you look back across time, and here was Noah building this ark in a time where there had never rained, this big boat, and it took him over a 100 years to build it. And for whatever humanity was around at the time, he's trying to convince him, you need to get on the boat because there's fixing to be a massive rain because God told me. And if you're not on the boat, you're going to drown under this water. And everybody's looking saying, this guy's crazy. But he wasn't crazy. And the only people that listened to him, this spirit-filled man who was building this boat, who understood water that nobody else could understand, was his wife, his sons, and their wives. Eight total. And when the rains began... And the waters rose. They were the only ones that made it. And his point is, in his day, and now to this very day, if you don't believe, if you don't obey, if you don't trust, if you somehow don't look and see and are ready to have an answer for hope, you're not going to make it. And God wants you to make it. That's the point. That's why we're ready. That's why we tell people. That's his whole point. And when people look at your lives, he wants them to see that in you. So they'll do it. And they won't miss it. He doesn't want only eight people to make it. He wants everybody to come to repentance. So my question this morning for you is, do you believe? Are you ready to answer the question for your own life? Are you willing to respond to the Spirit's call in your own life? Are you ready to cleanse your own conscience and respond to Him? Because that water of baptism is still available to this very day. Jesus' resurrection and ascension are still available. He's still in heaven working for us as we give answers for him. You realize that? Still there, preparing a place for us, and we're still sharing on this earth. What a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you've never embraced Christ, and surrendered your life to him. Today is the day to do that. To change your life forever. To be baptized into him. To clear that conscience and to walk new into him. The same spirit of God who was active all the way back in time can live in you. Or if you just lost your way, today's a good day to find it. Why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?